Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. I want you to cast your mind back. I remember I was working here, actually, on the, on the day. As far as I remember, it was a Monday, on July the 29, 2013. And I'm sure most people remember the name uh, Sanjeev Shada. Um, he murdered his two sons, Owen, who was 10 years of age at the time, and five-year-old Rory in cold blood. He was given two life sentences after he pleaded guilty. And now it seems that he wants to make an application for parole. And joining me on the line is his former wife, Kathleen Shada. Good afternoon to you, Kathleen. Hi, good evening, uh, And Kathleen, I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to you, and I, I kind of struggled with whether I should use the word former wife uh, or what the right term oh, is. I, okay. <laughs> so I, 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 well, as I, I often say, I, I can't deny him. I can't deny that I was married to him. I don't want to, to be mm, honest. Yeah. Um, I suppose I, I look at it and go, if I hadn't met him and hadn't... Um, married him, I wouldn't have had two, two beautiful, beautiful children. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, um, I mean, just I suppose in context for that, I have one family photograph still hanging um, at home because we were a happy family at one point. I, I wanted just before I get to the parole, because yeah. just to remind people and I suppose jog people's memories, because, you know, they always say out of sight, out of mind. And for you, every day is that living nightmare uh, yeah. because, of course, you don't have your two children anymore. But for many people, I suppose, life goes on. We saw it in a headline in the paper. We saw it on RT News. We saw you at the courts in RT News, of course, the day he pleaded guilty and was given two life sentences. But then for everybody else, their life goes on. We just get a snapshot of your life. Uh, as tragic as that story was, and that story has been replicated around the country many times, as I'm sure you've followed and, and watched other stories very similar to it around yeah. the country. But for everybody else, I suppose, you know, their life goes on. And just to remind people again, of, of what actually happened on that day. I mean, you mentioned that you were a happy family. Was there ever anything that gave you an indication that, you know, he would be the type of person that will, could commit such a horrible, depraved act? No, absolutely none. And in fact, and I was reminded um, not so long ago by, by one of the detectives um, of the guards in, in locally, I was worried about him that particular day, believe it or not. And I kept saying, he's got the boys with him. He'll be okay. He had been found out um, having embezzled about 60,000 euros from our local community centre 10 days before. He had a a gambling habit. I suppose he was trading. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But gambling. Um, that was hidden in the open. That's the only way I can describe that. Um, and were you, were you aware of how serious his habit was? No. No, okay, you just you just knew he had a problem. He knew. No, I didn't even. It was he 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 dabbled. It was he was Sanders on the computer. He you know it didn't yeah. affect our own finances. I yeah. worked. He was a stay at home dad. I would have considered at the time we were lucky enough that we were in a position that we could afford to live on one salary, um, and we we made that decision because it was the right decision for us as a family and and for Owen and Rory. I had a good job. Um, that I liked, and um, so we, we, we may, had made that decision when when Owen was born, or soon after mm. his Owen was born, really. Um, so it was just that was his hobby, his pastime was how. And, and what had happened that that when you say we had just found out, did the guards call to the door, or was there an investigation no, into it? I, that was, I think it had been found out 
through. I locally. don't actually know a huge amount of the details, but it had been found out locally within okay. the, the committee. And and did he share that with you then, that information with you? Not by himself. Okay. It, it came via third party um, at the time. And I'd say that would have been about 10 days beforehand. So after I had found out, I, I did worry about him and his state of mind initially. Yeah. Uh, for the first couple of days. Um, but actually after about four or five days, that, that worry had gone because actually a week, because you're correct, it was a Monday that, yeah. that it happened. And for the week previous to that, he was in a, a, a I would have said, a better headspace. Um, and I actually put it down to the fact that he was relieved. It was all out in the open now and we were going to deal with it. And I hadn't kicked him out. Mm. I hadn't. You, you, you were going to not so much support him, but help him through this or help him we get were, through As a family, you were going to get through this. As a family, this. we would get through this. It wasn't going to be easy. Um, yeah. No, <laughs> it was quite tense between us. Mm. <laughs> I can imagine, um, yeah. But, but at the same time, you know... Did you still, I, did you still we, and Kathleen, and please don't take this as, as some sort of insulting question, but did you still love him at the time? Oh, yeah. yeah. That didn't change. That didn't... Yeah. Suddenly, you don't turn off a switch. Yeah. And that, I think, in a way, was one, maybe one of the, the hardest parts for me. To know that somebody you love can yeah, do, could do something like do that something to, like your, to your flesh so, and blood. And yeah. that, that Monday, I mean, where, where were you, I mean, I suppose, when this happened? Or what time of the day was it? I could remind but, us again, it was early in the day. Yeah. Anyway. So what had happened was that the previous night, he had taken the boys to go bowling. Um, supposedly, I was going off for a walk with a friend. He was going bowling and he didn't come back home that night. Um, I went looking for him and um, he wasn't where he had said he was going to be in Carlo. Um, I got back home and called the guards straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, they, they were incredible. They took it seriously. You know, I mean, my only experience really had been watching all of the, you know, the document or the, the you know, your CSIs and your yeah. law and orders or whatever. But there was no, I mean, they took it seriously literally from the first moment that I spoke um, and, uh, and, and started the process. So we'd gone through all that night. I had thought maybe he's in, um, gone to the UK. That was something that I thought maybe he had driven because we had just come back from the UK about okay. three, four weeks previously. Thought maybe he's gone to the UK, even though the passports were there. I thought I was holding on to that. His mum was so living. You, in loads London. of things are going through your mind. You're probably looking oh, around absolutely. to see if the boys' clothes were there. Did he take clothes with him? Did he take them? What yeah. did he take? He left his phone behind, but again, it was a new phone, smartphone. Uh, kind of smartphones were really only even only seven years ago but they were only yeah. really coming out then and yeah. say the smartphone didn't fit in his pocket as easily so maybe he'd just forgotten it you put all of these things in, in, in together um, and but honestly until the moment that it was confirmed I, I, I kept going it'll be okay he's got the boys with him they'll be okay and um, I thought you know okay this, this changes things now. Um, you know, this is when when they come back, he's going to have to leave. But how do I do that for Owen and Rory? I have to be careful for them. Mm-hmm. You know, et cetera, et cetera. He's obviously had, you know, whatever uh, yeah. uh, in his mind. He's had a breakdown. He's had whatever. And um, did, the, did the guards call? To the, the, obviously, the guards called to the door, which is that visit that oh. nobody ever wants to see. That that visit. No. And, no. no. And what, when you when you saw, I, I'm assuming when you opened the door and the guards were there, what was the first thing that came into your mind? Because obviously you knew there was something wrong. Oh no, it, it, it wasn't that simple. Um, it was he himself that gave me the news. So I'm on the phone. I was actually being interviewed by one of the guards at the time, one of the detectives. 
phone call came through on my on my phone, a number I didn't recognise, but that wasn't unusual that night or that day. This was about three o'clock in the afternoon on the Monday, and it was Sandra on the other end of the phone, of the line, um, and basically he said, um, "I, you know, again, I'm looking at the guard. I'm thinking, okay, keep him on the line. Where is he? Where is he? Where where was he? Where were the boys?" And he just said, "There's, you know, there's been an accident." And I went, oh, are, are, you know, are the boys okay? And and he said, no, they're dead in the back. Um, oh my! But that that was, <laughs> yeah, that that was um, I, as as I've, I suppose. I, and I was and when, what was the tone? I mean, I'm I'm sorry to be inquisitive, calm. but what was the tone? Calm. He was calm. Calm. Um, that's all. Like, and I dropped the phone. The, I know the detective picked it up at that stage, and 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 God love him, I came. There was a lot of people in the house at the time, all my family and friends, neighbours, etc. And, and I basically, um, I kind of collapsed, if you like. But I, could, I, I can only imagine. And um, I, I remember staring at that poor detective who was the one basically was holding everything um, because he was, again, in touch with his colleagues that were actually at the scene of the, of the crash um, and he had to he had to get confirmation from them that that Owen and Rory had, were, were dead. And I'm sitting there, and he knew I was sitting there waiting for him to come back and tell me no, they're okay. Because I thought, well, if Sanja's okay and he was driving, how can they possibly? How can they be, be dead? dead? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he, they're probably stunned or they're unconscious or whatever. But in my mind, I was getting myself ready to go to wherever they were. I didn't even know where they were at that point. So it's quite cold, isn't it? The very fact that he could be so calm telling you something like that yeah. after of course we all know now after he the fact that he did it. I yeah. mean I mean even if a father if it had been an accident and two children were killed, how yeah. could a father make even make that phone call? You know, and, and in any kind of look you'd be hysterical. You know what I mean? It's quite bizarre and quite a strange situation. So But he'd had a number of hours to actually drive around and that's the thing. So the boys had been been killed about five in the morning, and this was now two thirty-three in the afternoon. So he'd had quite a lot of time to drive around. He'd stopped off to get petrol and coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the, you know that whatever way his mind was working that time, and and that's part of the I suppose again part of the difficulty is. That isn't the person that I knew him to be. And, and, and the way he did it too, and I, I'm not going to go through the, the injuries, of course, the boys had, no. because that's certainly not something I want to do tonight, but certainly that we know yeah. that uh, obviously he took Owen's life first yeah. uh, and Rory secondly. So what goes yeah. through your head is that Rory would have seen this and lived Absolutely. through that, I suppose, of watching yeah. his brother being killed. So his last moments yeah. were, were, were that. It all happened within the car. Um, so, yeah, it was all... Um, very. Uh, it it had to be again. The only person that knows is Sanj himself. Um, but I mean, but it takes a certain type of hatred. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, uh, I'm assuming he didn't hate his children. Um, and you know, that's the conundrum. And and that's you know, I'm constantly contradicting. I feel things when I say that because he did love Owen and Rory. I I don't, and I actually don't doubt that he loved them, but. What kind of love does what he did? So that's it, it. It's a really, a really difficult one that I've, I've over seven years, I've, I've simply had to. 
But you do, but you do believe he wants to kill the whole family, including you. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. But yeah. he was afraid to take you on because you might fight back. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that the type of person he would have been? He would. He, would he normally be say confrontational yeah. anyway? No, he was the least confrontational person that I I would have known in in many ways. Talking to his friends and you know even yeah. over the years, forget you know what what actually happened. But when I first got to know him and I first knew him. He was incredibly placid, very even-tempered. We would have had differences of opinions, but we never had major, major rows. You look at it now and you think differently and you look back and you think, okay, was that a sign actually in and of itself? But Mm -hmm. uh, he wasn't a confrontational guy. He wasn't, he wasn't, I mean, he, as far as being with the boys, there was no, he would have disciplined the boys, but but there was no physical discipline. There was no... Um, at all, and and you know, you would have looked on from the outside and seen a, a, a doting father. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, I mean, and he he had written a number of notes as well to you because obviously this is premeditated. So he had written a number of notes to you, yeah. uh, basically asked you to to bury him uh, with them, and yeah. the, because the pain of separation, he said, would be uh, was going to be too bad for them. Mm. Um, so. I mean, the, the fact that we knew that he planned this, it wasn't just something when people, I suppose, you know, go over the edge or, or yeah. they suffer from depression or clinical depression or whatever it is. It's something that people do at the spur of the moment. There's been many cases of that around the country. But for somebody to actually set out to plan to do something, I think in everybody's mind makes it even worse because he, he was obviously copus mentis and, and knew exactly well, he, what he was doing. He, he knew exactly what he was doing. He had, He knew the impact is not that he had to know. He knew the impact that this was going to have on me. He um, invited me in one of the letters to join them, you know, um, and almost as though if I didn't, um, that was, you know, that I wasn't honouring the boys' memories. Uh, yeah. He, the letter that he wrote to, to Owen and Rory, they said something along the lines of, you know, mummy is getting rid of me. And, and again, Part of that, because I wasn't, that's the part that, that kind of angers me. There's lots that anger me. So, mm-hmm. But it's one of the, the, the aspects where I go, but no. So what he was doing constantly was justifying to himself what he was doing um, and what he was about to okay. do and or what he had done. I mean, you obviously had, he pleaded guilty, thankfully, so there wasn't a long yeah. trial. But in saying that, you had to. There was a time you obviously had to wait uh, until that trial came up, where he pleaded guilty to, to murdering both your children. Um, I don't know how it's, it's bad enough for somebody to lose a child. Um, it's bad enough for somebody to lose two children, but to lose two children from your own husband uh, at the hands of your own husband and the confusion that lies, you know, within that. That how do you get through something like that? And people are want to know how you can because we smaller things happen to most of us in our lives and we, we find it difficult to get through how can you get through something like that I, I could be slightly flippant and say a really good psychologist um, but actually <laughs> it, it, it helps I look at it for myself and um, and it's funny it's something that your researcher had said you know and, and an awful lot of people say I don't think I could do it Kathleen I do believe now that, that everybody has, has the capability within themselves um, now, and I'm not going to get too deep and meaningful in that, but, mm. but actually I do believe we all have it. It's just that thankfully very few of us ever have to pull on that or ever have to find that deep within us. 
Is it a case um, of trying to put it at the back of your mind and trying to focus on other things throughout the day as your day goes on yeah. and live your life like that? I um, am incredibly lucky with the family and friends and support that I have. Mm-hmm. I come from a very grounded background that, and that, that helps. Um, and I, I suppose I, I look at it and, and time... I, I mean, I would have spent the first six months on my couch and, and that's part of it. You, you see me, you hear me on my good days. You don't see and the people don't see the days where I am on the couch watching silly television. I mean, I could have told you at that time exactly what was on. Was it the Ellen show? And mm-hmm. um, you know, Anything just to take your mind off it. Anything to take your mind off it. And that's what it was. It, was, it had to be the TV because it had to be visual. Mm-hmm. So that was the first, I'd say, four to six months. Um, I would have gone out. I'd have gone to visit, you know, I'd gone over to my parents' house and, and that. But it was important for me to stay in my own home um, in those days. But I genuinely did start seeing a psychologist very early on. And I was very did, did lucky. You, did you want to be with people I, at that time, Kathleen? Because I yes know that no. you, I, I remember when my own bro- uh, brother died and yeah. my mother did, st- because he drowned, he went missing and he drowned. But I remember my mother... Um, saying at the time she didn't really want people coming around saying listen we're sorry Lily we're sorry this yeah. happened and because she just didn't want to be constantly reminded she wants to try and forget I know you can't forget about it but to try and no, forget about but it you need time to, to just to allow your mind to recover ever so slightly in, in the, the, the short term and that's what it is so it's little moments that take you out of of that absolute horror that your mm. mind is in um, but I I, I I didn't want to see people, and yet I needed to be around people. Um, give you an example. Uh, you know, I remember sitting with my sister one evening, and she was having a packet of potato um, or crisps, mm. and I felt every single crunch that she made. It's like it's a physical thing for, to have somebody sitting beside you. And there are times where the voices, tea, somebody drinking, all of those things just get you. But what I would have done at that stage was literally just taken myself out of it. Either gone to the loo, up to my bedroom, whatever, for a few moments. And if I was able to then bring myself back, I'd come back down. Otherwise, I, I was up. And, and well, did you find yourself watching, say, videos or looking at pictures of them constantly of all the time? The boys, not not a huge amount. I had one set of one particular photograph that I just hope have everywhere with me. Um, I didn't look at loads and loads. I couldn't. To be honest with but you, see, he, and that's computers. what I was asking you. He would have been in if you have home videos and stuff. In a lot of them. And yeah. as a as a mom, um, what I found as I did go looking was that most of the photographs were of him with the boys. There wasn't so many. I I tended to be behind the camera instead of in front. I mean, and and he went from being my husband to being the yeah. murderer of my children. Yeah. So he. I probably spent the first year dealing with the my husband bit and that betrayal before I even started to. Um, do any work on the grief and loss of Owen and Rory in a way, because it was easier. It was actually easier to deal with with the trauma of him and what he had done and separate the two. And that's what I ended up doing in my head, separating the two. Because we forget that when we think of this story, we forget about the fact that you're not just grieving over the loss of your two children, which is bad enough in itself. You're also grieving over the loss of a husband. Now, not when I say a, a husband, it's and a man you were married to and yeah. who you thought loved you and loved yeah. your children. And I couldn't grieve. A lot of people would have, have said, look, you know, because I, I would be very adamant. I wish he had gone himself that night. It would have been easier for me in the long run. Um, and a lot of people would say, well, no, he needed to, to, to have his punishment. 
but actually him having his punishment prolongs mine. In, in, in relation to his punishment, so yeah. obviously it was all brought back again for you a year later when yeah. he was in court and, and thankfully he pleaded guilty to the two murders and got two life sentences. Um, if he, I mean, I, I obviously you saw him in court. Yeah. Um, you didn't get an opportunity to talk to him, obviously, apart from maybe give, no, well, apart from give a victim impact statement, which I'm sure you probably did at the time. Yeah. Um, but if he was standing, I, I, have you ever thought about what you would say if he stood in front of you or what the first question you'd ask him? I, I, have you ever thought about that or what you would like to say to him? Or is there something that's, I, why is the obvious right. one, but I mean. What, but, what, actually, how? How did you have it inside you to do it? Because the, the why bit of it nearly, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost gone beyond whys at this stage. It's how. You claim to love them. You claim to love me. How could you actually physically do what you did? Where did that come from? Um, mm -hmm. And to be honest, my biggest fear is that he would actually try to tell me and somehow try to justify it. And I say that's a fear because actually thought of him of me listening to him trying to justify it is is um quite stomach turning really isn't it absolutely yeah absolutely there, there's you know? nothing i mean if i was in your position there was nothing he could say to me to well obviously not to justify you mm. there's no justification in any of this but there's nothing he could say to make it any easier no. absolutely nothing nothing so there is no nothing. way of answering that question no which is why i i would would say it would have been easier if he had killed himself that day as well. Was he, was he um, remorseful in court? I believe he was as remorseful as he is capable of, maybe, um, that particular day when I saw him. That wasn't... I mean, was he, he upset he, in the courtroom when he saw crying. you? Yeah, he was crying. I think he probably cried throughout the whole, um, the whole afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, he cried when I gave my victim impact statement. I had to walk past him to go up to, to sit in front of the judge. Um, and um, as I walked back, he did say, I'm sorry. Um, I'm so sorry, I think was were his words. And I, I suppose I, I have to, I, in a way, it, and it actually doesn't matter. I don't have to take it or not take it or anything because it doesn't actually make a difference. But... I suppose if I if I take myself back to the family that we were, mm -hmm. um, and the father and the husband that he was, you you take something from that. I'm not actually sure what it is that you take. Oh no no from, no! I get I get exactly something. what you mean because yeah. I, I I'm a family man and yeah. I value. Sadly, I'm going through a divorce at the moment, separation. But mm -hmm. but what I miss most about everything that I had before was my family. Was just the unit. And and if you if you understand, so it's the family that I yeah. miss, and he took your family away from yeah. you. Essentially, is is what yeah. you're saying because that to you was really important. And and even if you know if, you, if you, uh, I'm not I'm not comparing it to yours, but no, no, you, you still have um, a, a, an ex partner, an ex wife, mm -hmm. and you have shared memories of your children. Mm -hmm. So those shared memories. With, with Sanj, I, I have no one to share them with now. Even if you separate, even if it's an, an acrimonious separation, I think, with, with a couple, there's still a point in time where, you know, you, you, you have grandchildren come along and you can, you, you still have that little bit of a connection that, that tells you, you know, what they were like, your grandchildren are like your children when they were the same age, that sort of thing. You have weddings, first communions, confirmations, things like that 
Whereas that, that's completely that's gone. gone. I he have took all that away. He, to, he took yeah. all those opportunities yeah. away from me. Yeah. And yeah. all of those, mm. you know, I, I fight, I fought to keep the good memories because that was, you know, okay. it was vital to me. Well, the reason we're talking to you tonight is because he is now going to make an application for parole. I mean, I know it's only literally, um, I mean, at this stage now, I mean, 2014, you went to jail. It's, only, it's not even six years yet. And he wants to make an application for parole. How, by the way, how long, when, when we talk about two life sentences, obviously they will run, um, not consecutively, but what's the other word again? Concurrently. Concurrently, yeah. that's it, of course. And they run concurrently. Um, yeah. What was the, the recommended sentence by the judge, can you remember, at the time? It was two, set, two life sentences. Okay, but so Judge Carney kept it very, very simple. Who's um, passed away said like since then? I think to yeah. run concurrently. Yeah. that was it. Okay, and was there any? Did, were you given any expectation of how long no. those life sentences would be? No, um, because there there isn't one. Well, there isn't no. Um, uh, unfortunately, sometimes a judge will recommend a certain amount of time yeah. before parole can be given. But with with life sentences, yeah. they 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 actually it it our constitution doesn't allow for it. Um, so this is why we're talking tonight because I know yeah. they passed a bill in 2019 well when I say they passed a bill a bill was run through the, the dawn in 2019 but it was never actually yeah. passed and this obviously was to represent families of murder victims who are now calling on the new Justice Minister Helen McEntee to urgently commence a parole act uh, which was passed in Irish law last July now the new bill requiring killers to serve at least 12 years before applying for early release and even yeah. 12 years is not a lot for a life sentence, to be honest with you. It's not. No. <laughs> but it's a start, you see. That's, that's okay. how I would view it. It's okay, so you've written a letter. Um, and the reason you wrote the, or you want to make this letter public, of course, was because he can write letters, of course, to the parole board. And nobody gets, You don't even get to see those, I believe. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you wrote this letter. He'll get to see your letters. So you want to make sure everybody else hears your letter. Do you have the letter there with you? I do, and as we're talking, my laptop has just died. Okay, will you will <laughs> you just boot boot us up there again if, if you if you want? Oh, right, that's what I'm. <laughs> as you're so talking, you'll be, to, okay. This, um, but that's always things like that always happen. Don't worry I about know, it. Live live radio, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to see now if I actually have. Uh, actually, bear with me. I might be okay, able to take your that. time. Take your time. One second. Uh, okay, just if you have joined us, we're talking to Kathleen Chada who is the former uh, wife Is of, it appropriate uh, to say talk amongst yourselves? Or? No, it's okay. Of Sanjeev Chad. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I am. I'm, I'm I know, I know, I know. Um, and you know what, you, Kathleen, it's lovely to hear you. Um, and I, I'm not saying in such a good mood and I don't mean that in some sort of horrible, callous way. But it's lovely, lovely to hear that you've come through this because I did think about you many times because we discussed it on the show when it happened at the time. Uh, as we did many other, you know, serious stories that had come out in the papers at the time. I remember t- thinking about it. We talked about you in the office here in your absence. I'm sure your ears were your ears were, ears were burning all, of, all over the country because everybody was talking about you and talking about what you were going through. So it's lovely to hear you now and the fact that you've got through this because many people think you're a wonderfully brave woman uh, for oh, coming through something you. like this. Thank you. I, I suppose I, I, and it's funny, if, if you knew me and my family, we, we have a, a certain dark humour within the family at times, but it mm. actually is what helps you through. It yeah. does get you through yeah. these times. Mm. Um, and um, and it doesn't, it's not a disrespect to Owen and Rory because they, they would have been a part of it when, you know. Um, and one of the things that I, I was, I suppose I found really, really important was actually people right knowing that i'm normal if you like that i am and i'm still me i'm still the kathleen that i was before the boys died 
um, or were killed. Um, so, and, and so that is important. It is it, it is important to, to 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 know that and to recognise that. And you know that I often say with 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 some um, uh, I suppose with friends, you know, when it comes to suicide, they talk about it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. I often say it's okay to be okay in circumstances as well, because sometimes there's an expectation that I to be sad. Or, you should be sad. Yeah, yeah. That we should be sad all the time, or people don't expect to see me laughing or smiling, or you know that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But well, that's a very old Irish. There was a very old Irish thing years ago that you know the uh, when a woman's husband died, particularly you know that she should yeah. wear black for a year, and we expected. Yeah. You know, if somebody's seen her out for a drink a year and a half later with oh, some yeah. friends, they'd be going, how can she do that? How can she do that? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's good. a very old way of thinking, isn't it? That we shouldn't be allowed to get over it. When I say get over it, get through it. To get through it. And, yeah. to, you know, but, and as I say, you know, what, what you see and what you hear, not just you, but people see and hear is, is the me that's, that's, you know, that on the good days. Um, now, I have it. Okay, I good. Because I, I have, I think of it is if you didn't have it, I have it here in front of me. I was going to read it for you, but, but I prefer you to read it because this is the letter, of course, you wrote to the Irish Prison Service and the Parole Board. Um, obviously, um, your feelings over him uh, making an application for yeah. parole. But go and ahead. I, I kept it quite short as it happens because okay. I, I debated this. This was written re- and rewritten a number of occasions um, because it doesn't. It's well, it should be obvious, but I'm, I'll read it and, and we'll come okay. back to it then. Um, to whom it may concern. That I actually have to write this letter is an insult to the memory of my sons Owen and Rory Chadda. Owen and Rory were and are the most precious and loved of boys. They were loving, caring, kind children who loved their lives, their families and each other unconditionally. That love was betrayed in the most brutal way on the 29th of July 2013 by their own father. Someone they loved and trusted totally. That he was capable of doing to them of what he was capable of doing to them is beyond my comprehension and should be beyond the comprehension of any human being, in my opinion. That he, Vange, feels entitled after just seven years to apply for parole, having carried out such a calculated, gruesome act on two innocent and defenseless children for his own gratification shows how, shows how inhuman he actually is. The reasons that he should not be granted parole or any other concessions, having served just seven years of two life sentences, should be obvious to anyone who looks at what he has done. That he chooses to apply in the first place shows the weak and pathetic man he is, with no insight into the ongoing impact of his actions. That impact reaches beyond just myself. It impacts my family, extended family, friends, community and beyond. How does someone like him be rehabilitated into society? You cannot. Therefore, he will always be a threat to me, to my family and to society in general. Kind regards. That's wonderfully written, I have to say. And I think everybody listening would be saying exactly the same thing in the situation you were in. And I suppose you talk about, you know, how he could be reintegrated into society. I mean, that was one of your fears as well, that you could imagine him visiting the graves of of Owen and Rory as well. And something that you couldn't even comprehend. And that's it, because he will be the, presumably, model prisoner. He will engage. He's, you know, he was quite a, (laughs) he was, I suppose he was, quite a, an easygoing person 
Um, and that has probably come back. Um, I think he has, as I understand it, um, settled or adapted well to prison life, I think was the quote. Um, and, uh, you know, so when he, and that's the thing, when it comes to the parole board, you know, these are strangers that are going to assess what he writes, um, all the reports that will come from the various agencies involved, and, um, and we'll be interviewing him. So they see a tiny little capsule of the person that he is now, not the person that, that carried out the, the brutal murder of his two sons. And so I think, for me, anyway, it's important that the parole board get that picture as well, and that part of the picture, mm-hmm. that they can see the, I suppose, the, the, the person that, I, I, that he was um, and, and that led him to do what he did. Because if he could conceal that side of himself from me for all the years that we were together and from many other people, including his own family, then it would be very easy for him to conceal it to a parole board. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't believe, I've always been of the opinion that people don't become evil. Um, no. I always believe that people are evil, but as you rightly said, conceal it quite well. Yeah. Um, for whatever circumstances throughout their life, they meet the right person, whatever it is, and, and they can conceal that, I don't know, narcissism, yeah. uh, schizophrenia, whatever it is they happen to have at the time. But I think they can conceal it. But I think at some point it always reveals itself yeah. uh, throughout life. But I, th- I always am uh, of the belief that people are born like that, are born with that ability to be like that. And you that's know. the thing. I, I, it didn't suddenly appear... Mm-hmm. On the twenty eighth, we'll say of yeah. of um, of July twenty thirteen, as he was driving away from the house. No. You know, um, as I said, the week before, you know that it happened when I when I thought he was kind of you know he was in in better form and you know seemed a bit more. You know, I look back on it now and I see it was because he had made the decision. He knew what he was planning to do, and he knew he wasn't ever going to have to face up to what he had done. Um, and then he had the, I mean, I, I, I call it the arrogance. That word doesn't even do justice to it, but he had the arrogance to feel that he was entitled to to take Owen and Rory's life because they couldn't possibly survive without him. You know, he, he wanted to be around for them and to teach them, etc. Well, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> no. it was the, it's the phone call that takes my, yeah. uh, breaks my heart. I mean, the fact that he yeah. would ring you calmly yeah. and tell you. What had happened? What had happened? I mean, he didn't. I, I and that's I, I. I've said that a number of times. He he has. He didn't even grant me the dignity of of having somebody break. I mean, how do you break that news? It really well, well, no, doesn't matter the actions matter of a sociopath. How, but, you know what I mean? Yeah, it Absolutely. didn't. You know, it shouldn't have been him. And and by the way, just just finally, I mean, he he will get released at some point, and I'm sure you're well aware of that. Yeah. At some point within the next twenty years, anyway. Yeah. Um, I'll keep fighting, but yeah. I know. Absolutely. I know. Um, do, do you fear for your own safety? You mentioned before that maybe you know you you do fear. Do you fear for your own safety I, if he ever there. gets out? It's there. It is always there if he's out. I I I have to. I have to have some faith in in whatever system will be about in you know sort of fifteen to twenty years time. Mm. Um that I won't be um, in danger. But it is there. Um, I'm conscious of it every time I, you know, mm-hmm. do an interview or it's in the papers or something like that. I'm very vocal about it. 
So, you know, is that, does that add a potential threat? Probably not at this stage. But, no, I don't um, think so. I, it, it is there, um, you know, and, and, you know, you can use the words very, um, very blasé-like to say, oh, God, I wanted to kill him, or he wanted to, you know, my husband could have killed me. Well, actually, he meant it, you know. You don't usually, when you say something like that, think that they mean that those words are meant, but yeah. they were. So, it, 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 it's, in reality, I probably can be feel quite safe ultimately, uh, but it, 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 it's always there in the back of my mind. You know, well, will look, he want to finish the job? Well, look, I hope you're successful. Um, I know uh, Justice Minister Helen McEntee has uh, already done some wonderful work, and she's only in the job a wet day, so to speak. And, that's uh, it. And yeah, I and I hope so. An opportunity to meet up with her. Yeah, I, I hope you do. Look, I mean, and yeah. obviously, the more publicity you get for it, and I know you're doing a few interviews at the moment, and you're, and it's been in the papers and stuff like that. So I'm pretty sure at this stage she's well aware of the fact no, uh, that you're it. reaching out. So no, um, absolutely. Yeah, I hope listen, you get here. Thank you so much. And for listen, our thoughts are with you them. and with your beautiful children, uh, Owen and Rory, as well. And we're all thinking of them tonight. Now after listening to you, uh, thank That's you very right. much. It's been a pleasure thank to talk to you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. There you go, Kathleen Chada. Uh, What a shocking, shocking story. You all remember it uh, way back in 2013. It seems like such a long time ago now. And I remember the story when it happened. We never stopped talking about it all day, that day in the office and for days afterwards as well. It was one of the the big stories at the time. But to us, it was just a story. And to everybody listening, it was just a story at the time. But there is somebody at the end of that story. And certainly that woman uh, has lost her two children. And not only that, as she mentioned as well, she's lost her family. Um, she did have a husband who she thought loved her, but unfortunately, clearly didn't. Not to the extent that she believed, anyway, when he could do such a horrendous, depraved thing like that. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.